Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello and welcome, everybody. You have tuned in to episode number 323 of Linux in the Hampshire, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. You can ask anyone. They'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But but anyway, uh, this is our short format show where we talk about some amateur radio and open source topics of the day. And then we'll hit Linux in the ham shack where we blend the two together, which is the namesake of the program. And we talk about open hardware, open software, and all the good things about combining those two things together. And for tonight, we have the standard cast of characters. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And we're going to jump right into our lead topic. And the lead topic tonight is nice because it's a sort of a follow-up to some feedback we had from Ed, DD5LP, last week about emergency communications and amateur radio serving in that capacity down in Australia for the bushfires. And this is a story that came out of ABC News, which I think is a Australian broadcasting company or something like that. It's not, not ABC News in the U.S. anyway. But the story is amateur radio useful during bushfire emergencies. And I did cut a lot out of this. So if you want to check out the entire article, a link to it will, of course, be in the show notes. It was volunteers with ham radio skills who were called in to assist during the recent New South Wales bushfires. Neil Falshaw is vice president of Wyson NSW Communications, a group of volunteers with amateur radio licenses who can help in emergency situations. He said about 30 members provided a temporary radio system in the Bega, Cobargo, Naruma, and Bermagui areas after some of the local radio infrastructure was damaged or had lost power. He said that radio systems assisted the New South Wales Volunteer Rescue Association and Bega Valley Shire Council staff to communicate from bushfire-affected towns like Bermagui and Cabargo. The relationship between amateur radio groups and emergency services differs from state to state. In New South Wales, Wyson is recognized as a specialist support squad of the New South Wales Voluntary Rescue Association, which is a member of the State Rescue Board. In Victoria, the relationship is less formal, but the group is mentioned as a support agency to emergency services in the Emergency Management Victoria Manual. Tony Fowler, an amateur radio user in Central Victoria, said ham radio skills could be particularly useful when there were significant power outages. For example, like that one on the New South Wales South Coast on New Year's Eve when mobile coverage, the National Broadband Network, and the local ABC radio transmitter all dropped out. He says, quote, amateur radio is considered old-fashioned. Why would you want a radio when you've got the Internet? Well, we have proved this year that the situations in place right now aren't adequate in the extreme, unquote. So there you go. Nice follow-up about how amateur radio works with disaster and emergency services down under in a place where they have been uh, heavily affected by brush fires that have killed millions of animals and displaced lots of people. 
which are now, I guess, coming back and being handled uh, in part by the weather. So it was nice to see that rains are starting to put out some of those fires. And we're glad that uh, emergency agencies and amateur radio operators can be used in conjunction to help combat that natural, that uh, nationwide national disaster. So very cool. All right. So moving away from our main topic, we're going to hit amateur radio stuff, additional amateur radio stuff. And Bill is going to tell us about QSO parties. That's right. We have a new challenge for you, the State QSO Party Challenge. The annual State QSO Party Challenge recognizes all radio amateurs' participation in the U.S. State, uh, U.S. State and Canadian Province QSO parties. It is open to any radio amateur who participates in any of the approved State QSO parties or SQPs. Uh, participants must simply submit their scores to 3830scores.com to be included in the challenge. Participants are recognized for reaching five levels of achievement, bronze, silver, uh, gold, platinum, and diamond. Uh, using the submissions to 3830scores.com, each call sign cumulative score is calculated by totaling up his or her number of reported contacts and multiplying by the number of SQPs you entered year to date. The use of the number of SQPs entered as a multiplier is, in, is to encourage radio amateurs to enter more state province QSO parties. Uh, the use of the number of contacts as a metric is to encourage participants to operate longer in each QSO part in each state QSO party and increase the, of course, increase the effectiveness of their station and improve their contesting skills because, you know, quantity is always better than quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes course. no sense whatsoever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> do, do it longer, but worse. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yes. 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 CQ. Oh, sorry. Uh, never mind. <clears throat> they qualify for an award level. The participant must have participated in at least two state QSO parties. Each state QSO party entry must have at least two QSOs. So there you go. And that's, that's generally the rule for any, uh, contest entry is you have at least two and hopefully more than two contacts. <laughs> <laughs> you should be able to get that in just a couple minutes. So if you just want to do the bare minimum, uh, turn your radio on for like five minutes and you should be able to get that. In. So <laughs> well, they do the have to set uh, a minimum standard, right? So yeah, yeah, we have to have some, you know, low bars for entry there, but they are barriers. Anyway, the, uh, the first SQPs were already this past weekend. They were Vermont, Minnesota, British Columbia, QSO parties. So if you operated in those, you know, turn in your scores, make sure you submit to uh, the 3830scores.com to be uh, counted. And you're already well on your way to uh, working the state QSO party challenge. So uh, check out their website. We have it linked in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, enjoy this. Oh, and I'm going to do the next one, too, because I did it last time. <laughs> oh, you're oh, supposed wait. to give away that we're doing oh, this again sorry. a second time. I was going to say, do it's I need Nate on uh, the or recording a. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that cat's out of the bag. So. <laughs> <laughs> Brexit incept. Yeah. So uh, this came from a Google translated article from the UBA um, uh, 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 information for the uh, uh, Belgium whatever UBA stands for. And I should probably have looked it up by now, but I, I did not. So anyway, this is for Belgium amateurs. So it was in Dutch and uh, the Google translation does a really bad job with it. But anyway, uh, so this is about Brexit and SEPT. Uh, as there's no direct link between the European Union and SEPT, the UK's withdrawal from the EU will have no effect on SEPT recommendations uh, whatever, TR 6101 and 6102. Holders of the Belgium HAREC license will also have their Belgium call sign uh, allowable with the proper prefixes in the Brexit area. 
<laughs> so pick your area, England, Isle of Man, Northern Ireland, Jersey, Guernsey, Scotland, and Wales. For a longer stay, British licensees uh, can be applied for based upon the Belgium exam certificate. Uh, as of the, uh, as the United Kingdom has not acceded to the ECC recommendation of 0506 and ERC report 32, holders of an ON2 permit cannot, unfortunately, enjoy these benefits. The same applies to holders of an ON3 permit. Uh, Brexit does not change anything, uh, here either. I'm, I'm assuming anything else besides those two permits that, uh, limit you. So. If you have any questions about your SEPT, we uh, found out that you can go to SEPT.org or, of course, you can go to ARRL.org slash SEPT and find all the information out. If you happen to be visiting those countries and have any questions about your SEPT privileges in the newly minted United Kingdom EU free version. <laughs> EU free. <laughs> So that's the unleaded UK. Yeah, the unleaded UK. So the unleaded, (laughs) extremely unleaded EU, of course. Uh, UBA uh, stands for Unie van Belgisch Advertierders. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Or in English, the Royal Belgian Amateur Radio Union. How about that? Yeah, there you go. Royal Belgium Amateur Radio Union. So, where are you? So, anyway, yeah. So, yeah, pay attention. The SEP rules have not really changed over there uh, with Brexit. And, uh, you know, enjoy your watching Sky News and all the Brexit fallout. <laughs> Very good. All right. So, next we have something that Cheryl did the last time. Since we already let this out of the bag, <laughs> Cheryl read this the last time. So if you were here in the live show, you would have heard Cheryl read it, but now you have to hear my sultry tones read it because she left. <laughs> She's like, I'm She's like screw this. this. I'm out. <laughs> uh, no, she'll be back. Anyway, this is new amateur radio extra question pool released. Uh, the new amateur extra class license examination question pool effective from July 1st, 2020 through June 30th, 2024 has been released and is available at the National Conference of Volunteer Coordinators, NCVEC, that website. The 2020 and 20 or 2020 through she read it much better than me. The 2020 through 2024 extra class pool incorporates significant changes compared to the current 2016 through 2020 question pool, which expires on June 30th. So if you want to get your license at Hamvention, you should do it because after this Hamvention, everything changes. The number of questions (laughs) I know, sinister music. The number of questions in the pool was reduced from 712 to 622. That means there are 90 less questions to remember or to memorize when you take your test. And 139 questions removed due to changes in what was felt to be an abundance of... Wait a minute. I screwed that up. (laughs) Again. (laughs) The result was 239 modified questions, 49 new questions, and 139 questions removed due to changes in what was felt to be an abundance of outdated questions. That's a lot of the word question. While areas of new technology and subjects were added, in addition, an effort was made to balance the difficulty level, removing or replacing some questions deemed too easy or too difficult compared to the rest of the pool. The 2020 pool has 10 diagrams, which have been renumbered because the new question pool has two fewer than the 2016 question pool. So for those people who are just memorizing the question pools, erase those two diagrams from your memory because you won't need them anymore. So, uh huh. Two less, yeah. Two less, yes. Two fewer, actually. Technically, two fewer. Ah, two, two less. Uh, we're not going. We're not going down that road because it's uh, it's pain for me. Anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> Moving on, we're going to switch over to some open source topics. And since I read this one the last time, I'll read it again. Maybe I'll read it better this time. Maybe I'll read it worse. I've had more to drink for sure. Uh, so anyway, this is CERN ends trial of Facebook Workplace. New changes to the status of CERN's Workplace account prevent the organization from continuing on the platform. CERN's presence on Workplace will end on 31st of January 2020, which was a couple days ago. In October 2016, Facebook made Workplace available to any company or organization. In particular, for CERN, they made the enticing offer of waiving the la- uh, the fees, and so they could take the opportunity to test the platform. Representatives from HR, IT, and IR. What's IR? I'm assuming research. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Work together to carry out dedicated trials within their department or sector to gather feedback. Reactions were not always positive. Shocking from a Facebook project. Uh, Many people prefer not to use a tool from a company that they did not trust in terms of data privacy. To date, about 100 members of the CERN community have created a workplace account, and there are roughly 150 active users of the platform per week. In July 2019, Workplace announced new account plans, and in October announced that there were 3 million paid users. CERN was then given a choice of either paying to continue with its initially free setup, like crack to the junkie. uh, Put out or or get out. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or downgrading to a free version that would remove administrative rights and CERN single sign-on access and send all data to Facebook. Yeah, not seeing CERN buy that one. Losing control of our data was unacceptable, as we are paying for a tool that was not part of our core offering for the CERN community. Therefore, we will end the trial of this platform. Not surprising at all. To replace key workplace functionalities, a suite of alternative solutions are available to the CERN community. Mattermost, instant messaging, and real-time communications can already be used to replace workplace private or public groups. Discourse can also help exchange information that can be referenced in the future and is already used by many, including the CERN market and the root community, as a questions and answers platform. The workplace automated email alerts from home.cern content will soon be replaced with a push notification system from IT and a new newsletter tool from IR, both foreseen for 2020. The IT department will now follow up with Facebag to disable functionality on CERN Workplace so that all content is removed by the end of January. And you know that content is not going anywhere. So <laughs> it will be in the face bag, you know, uh, archive forever and ever and ever. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I'm not sure why they signed on with it anyway. They clearly have a conflict of interest with security. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, they were probably sold a bag of goods and well, they clearly yeah. were. So you got to realize like, you know, I'm sure some IT people and HR people made this decision and they're probably not, uh, not always the best people to make those decisions. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would make a comment about the decision that was made at my company, except I think I may have said what my company is at some point in the past. So oh, I don't yeah. want to do that. So <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the, opinion, the opinions expressed here are not the opinions. Of exactly. But I'm just going to keep my opinion to myself. Or customers or, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that in the post show. So this is why you should be in the post show here. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So Bill is going to tell us about open source and the Microsoft Corporation. Woo. That's right. You know, Microsoft just keeps uh, keeps barfing out these uh, open source projects. And here's a, here's another one they've added. This is a Microsoft uh, Microsoft <laughs> uh, Microsoft open sources Jericho to train a reinforcement learning using linguistic games. Language is one of the hallmarks of a human intelligence and one that plays a key role in our learning processes. 
By using language, we constantly formulate our understanding of a situation of a specific context. Many of the magical abilities of the human brain, such as common sense reasoning, deductions, or inference, are regularly expressed via language. It is hard to imagine any form of advanced artificial intelligence, AI, that would not rely on language to express its interactions with a given environment. In recent years, reinforcement learning has shown some promise helping AI agents learn their own languages for communication. To facilitate rapid development of language-based agents, Microsoft Research has open-sourced Jericho, a learning environment that leverages language games to train reinforcement learning agents. And this was linked over on an aggregation site of many machine learning and artificial intelligence (coughs) articles on KD Nuggets. So you can find that link in the show notes. What does KD Nuggets stand for? (laughs) They've been on my list forever. (laughs) Your research is horrible. I know. Yeah. Okay. So their, uh, their quick Google thing is machine learning data sets, big data and analytics AI. So I got that part right. Uh, KD, KD, KD. It doesn't really say anything. killer data. Is that killer data? Really? No, I have no idea. I was, I was making <laughs> something up. <laughs> nice. I was, I was going to go with that. That sounded pretty good. <laughs> well, they should probably go with it if it's not what it is. Yeah. Killer data. That sounds good. <laughs> killer you data guys, nuggets. Yeah. And you can make out the checks to, uh, Russ. <laughs> Linux in the ham shack. John Carol. Woodman, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it on their website. I don't know. You can figure it out while Cheryl uh, reads the next story because she's back and she's going to tell us about how you can earn a, a consulting gig with a uh, worldwide um, philanthropic entity, I guess. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. Those, those, are, <laughs> those are the biggest words I can think of. <laughs> okay. Hang on. I'm trying to get to it. Oh, now you can. Now I, my page is all the way at the top. So, so are, are, you know, are you on the hunt for a job? UNICEF is looking for an open source software technical advisor for consultancy, and the term of that is 11 and a half months. The Innovation Fund is looking for a full-time open source software technical advisor to focus on supporting and advising portfolio companies, providing support in the assessment of new companies, and offering technical guidance and support of the Digital Public Goods Alliance. And DPGs are defined as open source digital products that can be freely used distributed and adapted by anyone, and conform to minimum standards, for instance, related to privacy and security. All right, very good. So you want to have a job working for, and we, we, we did the research the first time around that said it was, what, 89 cents out of every dollar goes mm-hmm. to actual yeah. uh, resources and not overhead. Yeah. So, And then Bill made, cross, yeah, Bill made a crass comment about, like, Help the little children, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the same one he just made. Yeah. <laughs> Save the children. Oh. Or at least make money for 11 and a half months and don't give a crap about it. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you need a consulting gig for a short period of time and, uh, yeah, you could, could move on to something bigger and better. Uh, this company does business in, uh, you know, 190 different countries <laughs> around yeah, the true. world. So and it's, uh, it's uh, not probably tiny. A, a nice little box on your resume. So there you go. 
And going back to Katie Nuggets, uh, the Katie Nuggets newsletter has been emailed since 1993, so it's been around for a while. And the KD wow. stands for Knowledge Discovery. Oh, Knowledge Discovery. I like killer data. Let's go. Killer data <laughs> sounds better. Yeah. So they should definitely rebrand. That K right. should kill the D. Killer data. <laughs> yeah. And they'll get sued by Jack Black. All right. <laughs> Probably. So. <laughs> uh, Anyway, moving on, we're down to our Linux in the Hamshack segment. So we're going to talk about some things that blend amateur radio and the open source world together. And I threw this in here because on February 5th, which is two days from now, Hackaday is going to talk about amateur radio, which is kind of cool. And this story is titled Keeping Ham Radio Relevant. Join us on Wednesday. This is Hackaday, February 5th at noon Pacific for the Keeping Ham Radio Relevant Hack Chat with Josh Nass. Amateur radio is fighting a two-front war for its continued existence between potential loss of spectrum and loss of interest from younger generations. Amateur radio has a long, rich history, but gone are the days when hams can claim their hobby is sacrosanct because it provides communications in an emergency. But it does. I don't know about the word sacrosanct. It's not a religion. Uh, Nass, K.I. don't. You were going to say something, weren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yes, I was. But well, okay, well, you throw it in there if you want. No, it, it, to a certain extent, it is a religion. So. No, it's not. Uh, NAS KI6NAZ is helping change the conversation. Josh is an engineer and radio amateur from Southern California who runs Ham Radio Crash Course, a YouTube channel dedicated to getting people up to speed on ham radio. Josh's weekly live streams and video reviews of ham radio products and projects show a different side of the world's greatest hobby, one that's more active through events like summits on the air and focused on digital modes that are perhaps more interesting and accessible to new hams. Join us on the hack chat as we discuss how to make ham radio matter in today's world of pervasive technology. We'll talk about the challenges facing amateur radio, the fun that's still to be had on the air, even when the bands are dead, like they are now spoiler alert. They're not. And what we can all do to keep ham radio relevant. And a link to that will be in the show notes. If you want to check it out, I'm going to watch it. What the hell? Yeah, if I uh, you know if I'm not pulling my toenails off or something like that, I'll I'll watch. If you're up, if you're up that early, sure. Yeah, right. If you're not washing your hair, yeah, I'm not washing my hair. You know, picking my nose or something. Just like just sit there, turn the thing on, light a cigar, and just let the information flow. Let's see what day is it? Oh, the fifth. No, my cigars are not going to be here till the sixth. Oh, well. All right, sorry, Hackaday, you lose. Anyway. Yeah, no dry smoke. Could you guys push it back a day or two? I just want to gotta have something that'll make the experience enjoyable. <laughs> Josh is going to come break your legs. So uh, I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> All right, moving he has to on. Get through the killer chickens in the backyard or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> got the killer datas and the killer chickens. I'm all sad. Yeah. All right. Shara's going to tell us about Klaus AE0S and his new project. All righty then. Yeah, so Klaus AE0S has created an amateur radio software award. And the information says, I'm starting an amateur radio software award in order to promote amateur radio software development, which adheres to the same spirit as amateur radio itself. Innovative, free, and open. The award will consist of a PDF certificate, a monetary prize of $100 plus, and listing on the awards website. The award committee will choose the award winner at their discretion. Others may join the award committee. Each award committee member is required to provide $100, which is used for the reward, 
award money, reward money. Yeah, there you go. You award money. Once the award money exceeds $500, the committee may choose to award multiple awards in a year. At this point, no organization is being set up to manage the awards. In the future, one may be established, but for now, things are kept simple. I just threw this in here because it sounded interesting, and we all need more amateur radio software development in the open source space. It can't be a bad thing. And I also saw that it was mentioned by Dan, KB6NU, on his blog, so I thought I would throw it in here. And uh, maybe we can foster some more amateur radio software development in the open source community. All right, so Bill is going to tell us about the M17 project. Yes, and this is not a rifle, but it sounds like one. The M17 M17 project aims to create open hardware digital radio solution, according to Wojcik. I think I got that right. Wojcik, the uh, SW5 WW Papa. And the M17 website, the aim is to create a fully functional, truly open source and open hardware system for digital radio communication. Something like DRM, but with open hardware, too. No, the M7- DMR, not DRM. Oh, DMR, sorry. <laughs> God. <laughs> too many acronyms. I know. It's inundation. DMR, something like DMR. Not That should be not, not real ham radio. Anyway, uh, DMR, but with open hardware, too. The M17 working group believes that amateur radio digital protocol should be uh, open to experimentation and available for anyone to modify and use without having to pay someone for any rights to do so. All the physical hardware designed by the M17 working group is made available for anyone to download, review, and modify to fit their needs. Designed by ham radio operators with the needs of ham radio operator in mind, Open source voice codecs, digital radio protocols for the M17 are design are the design philosophy, keeping in the community nature of amateur radio. And that almost sounds like it was translated too. <laughs> that does not sound <laughs> like a clean straight off their website. So. That's nice. Yeah. So I see here too that they're uh, looking for people to get involved in this, and I was also looking here. So Votech has been involved in working the M17 project for over a year now, and while he has made substantial progress, is looking for help. <clears throat> from you all people so if you have the f- following skills come see him immediately if not sooner if you're a c programming expert uh with raspberry pi stm32 and pc uh pcb routing preferably KiCad, kicad if you don't want to hear that like that <clears throat> familiarity with uh, 3d printing cad and cam uh soldering prototyping and an open mind concept testing so uh send them uh Send them uh, an email via the contact link on their website or join their IRC channel. So there you go. We need to get uh, Dave, the uh, creator of FreeDV. Yeah. Well, he probably knows about this already, but he's already created free, you know, digital voice codecs. They might yeah. be able to leverage that somehow, I would think. Yeah. We already <laughs> have an open source codec <laughs> that has yeah. been proven to work. <laughs> All right. So very good. And to finish this out for this episode, I threw in a flash topic. Uh, Andy's Ham Radio Linux 23 has been released. This is a remastered version of Ubuntu Linux. Version 23 is a stable 64-bit version of Ubuntu 1804.3. There's no 32-bit version in this release. The version contains a lot of amateur radio software, including all the well-known applications, plus NBEMS, FL underscore MoxGen, AA Analyzer, OWX, VoaCap, Jolfer, <laughs> Golfer, <laughs> Okay, uh, GEDA, GNU Radio Companion, Microfox 15 Config, and a Tiny Track 3 configuration program. This software collection uses the ICE 
WM Window Manager with menus customized for amateur radio use. It is designed to be lightweight to run on older computers, except 32-bit ones. Thanks to Bill for that comment. (laughs) (laughs) While still having modern functionality. (laughs) So, yeah, as long as your old computer is not older than 2007. (laughs) Yeah, if your old computer is 64-bit, which definitely cuts off quite a few computers. It's a Core uh, 2 Duo or newer. Yeah. Uh, The Linux in the Hamshack distribution still has a 32-bit version, so you can use ours. Just, yeah. just use ours. Yeah, we have everything on there. No, nothing, nothing against Andy because he <laughs> he did his distribution way before we did ours. Yes, um, but, absolutely. So, and we always appreciate people who try and make software or distributions which make amateur radio more accessible to more people, especially in the open source space. So, absolutely, there's no losers there. No losers at all. So, thanks, Andy. And if you want to give that a try, Linux. Uh, Andy's Ham Radio Linux AHRL 23 has been released. <laughs> so, Sounds but, like the dog when she gets sick. <laughs> it's like all those made up noises in the uh, Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, uh, good point. <laughs> so, with that, we are down to the social media roundup. So, Cheryl, take it away. All right. So, this week on our Patreons list, we have Richard Gordon, Andy Webster, Cubicle Nate, Darren King, David Jakeway, Donald Gover, Douglas. Douglas Redder, Erno Castales, Herb Garcia, John Spriggs, Peter Caffrey, Paul Griffith, Randolph Smith, Robert Pitts, Samuel Vimes, Steve Metcalf, Steve Sainer, Stephen Harp, and William Heckelman. For subscriptions, we have Randolph Smith, Robert Halliday, James Lewis, Fred Cole, Michael Burdak, Alan Wilson, Ronald Ike, Michael Connolly, Steve Biella, Jim McKenzie, Charlie Brown, Dylan Angle, Johnny Kinsey, Robert Yerke, Bill Piotr, Darren King, Thor Wigman, Todd Bowers, Kevin Ivey, John Clark, Bill Collins, Jeff Zimmerman, Tony Coberly, Roger Pereira, Jeffrey Boris, Michael Carey, Steve Hepler, and Michael Jopling. On Facebook, we had Trent Spinson, Vernon Haddon, Eric Holmes, Farago Zoltan, and Taro Pipola, I'm going to guess that's right. Uh, join us. For Twitter, we had at Guinness Dev Null. Love that. At G underscore handle. At M6JGJ. At T Lillis. At TM125690. And at J Fisher underscore 911. On YouTube, we had Roland Dane or Don. Um, Bergen or. Er, Burr Engine, Keith Jenkins, Ty Williams, and there was no activity on the mailing list and none in merchandise sales. All right. We made it through this time and we actually recorded it. Are you sure? Yes. Oh, man. (laughs) Bill's like, oh, I forgot to record again. (laughs) Even if you didn't, I did. So we're all good. We are set this time. We are set this time. So thanks to everybody who joined us in the chat room there's probably nobody in the chat room now since we already did this once before but we want to thank those who did show up the first time around we had jonas we had ted wa0eir and steve k7hvt i still don't know if jonas has a call sign i assume he doesn't um he's still lurking but if he does he should probably let us know what it is one of these days um but anyway thanks everybody who who listens to the show live who uh listens through all of our fumbling about on the released episode 
and uh, who basically just enjoys Linux in the ham shack as much as we do. We really appreciate you guys and everybody who uh, donates you know, for our hamvention campaign or for our uh, weekly or monthly offerings and uh, just as a supporter or listener of the show. We appreciate each and every one of you. Yes. And we'll be back again with The Weekender next and then our long format deep dive episode next Monday. So stay tuned for all of that. For now, we will close episode number 323 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hand Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.